The UAE is sending the Arab world's first mission to the moon, a new space milestone for a country that hasn't looked back after sending the first Emirati astronaut into space in 2019. Rashid Rover is flying on SpaceX's Falcon 9 rocket from Cape Canaveral in Florida. You're listening to Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Sohail Akram. This week, we're looking at the build-up to the launch of the Rashid Rover and the legacy it will leave behind for the UAE's space mission. We will also take a look back at some of the major space milestones of the UAE. Let's first go to Space Coast, Florida, where our correspondent Sarvat Nasser has been camping to cover the launch. We asked her what the mood on the ground was like. There's actually been a lot of excitement in the air for this mission. It is the Arab world's first mission to the moon. So there is about more than 30 uh, employees from the Mohammed bin Rashid Space Center that have come down um, for this launch, as well as a lot of staff from iSpace, which who have developed the lander to launch the, uh, the rover to the moon. And the rocket was rolled out from the SpaceX building and it was raised into a vertical position for the launch. There were quite a lot of people that turned out for the rocket rollout and you could see a lot of excited faces and a lot of people who were really looking forward um, to the launch. And I think it's going to be quite exciting when the, the rocket lifts off and you know a lot of people are going to be watching from the UAE from the Middle East. The SpaceX's Falcon 9 rocket carrying the Rashid rover was expected for a launch on 30th November from Florida's Cape Canaveral Space Station. But due to bad weather, the launch has since been postponed. The weather here has been really good for launches the past week. The week before, it was quite bad. It was wet and cold, and it was um, unsuitable for a launch. Um, this week, it improved significantly. And uh, with the coming days, the weather also looks good. Um, I'm here in, on the Space Coast right now. And let me tell you, there's been a, a Falcon 9 rocket launch almost every week. I was just laying on my bed. It was late at night here um, last week. And I knew that Falcon 9 had a launch, but there, it was terrible weather conditions. So I thought it might not go off. Um, but it was about, I think, 10.30 or 11 p.m. And I was about to fall asleep. Um, and then suddenly I hear this loud almost thunder-like noise and it just grew louder and you know for a second i thought hey it's very bad thunder uh but no as the as the noise grew louder you could tell it was sort of like the merlin engines of, of falcon 9 and it was like it literally shook all my uh windows and it rattled my door and um you know it, it would wake anybody up so it's pretty cool to, to see spacex almost having like a shuttle service to space that goes every week. And it's good to see the UAE taking advantage of that as well. So what is Rashid Rover all about? Well, first its name. The rover is named in honor of late Sheikh Rashid Al Said, the former ruler of Dubai and the father of Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid, vice president and ruler of Dubai. The Rashid Rover has four wheels and weighs 10 kilograms. It's built by engineers from Mohammed bin Rashid Space Center a core team of 11 experts were behind the mission's development and have been working on it since 2017. They hope the rover will land on the moon's near side, the one that faces the Earth, to study an unexplored region. The Rashid rover is hitching a ride on Hakuto R Mission 1 lander, built by Japanese company iSpace. The rover is equipped with a propulsion and navigation system that allows it to power through space and land safely with its cargo. 
We spoke to Salim Humad Al-Murray, Director General of Mohammed bin Rashid Space Center or MBRSC. He spoke to us from Florida. Rashid Rover actually is quite an interesting story how we uh, decided to kick off this project. And, uh, uh, you know, what we do at the Mohammed bin Rashid Space Center is we have uh, quite large teams, uh, numbering in the hundreds, who are working on very large projects over uh, a long period of time. So you'd say something like MBZSAT or KhalifaSat or the Mars mission is, you know, five, six, seven years development. And uh, as I said, hundreds of people working on that. So we decided to uh, try to find a way to get a smaller teams to work on innovative projects uh, in a shorter cycle. So we opened a lab. Uh, we placed it in uh, originally in the uh, higher colleges of technology in uh, uh, in Dubai, and then we put it in Silicon Oasis. And we took 10 to 15 people, which is the Rashid Rover team, and uh, placed them there and gave them uh, a bit of freedom to innovate and come up with ideas to to really push forward and give us something uh, unique to go with. And uh, what came out of that was, uh, we, uh, you know, the team uh, started working on different projects that eventually turned into Rashid Rover. And of course, you face a lot of challenges trying to develop a, a project in that way. Looking at the science, of course, you know, going to a new area uh, that we haven't been to before and looking at uh, uh, trying to uh, conduct unique science was also challenging. And we cooperated internationally. Today we have uh, uh, the Kness French Space Agency on board with us with three payloads. Uh, we have universities from Denmark and uh, uh, different areas in Europe also participating in the science. And we have some unique science coming from the UAE. So I think altogether, you know, it's a short cycle project compared to our previous projects, so about two years, and very innovative, but lots of challenges. The rover will study the properties of lunar soil, the petrography and geology of the moon, dust movement, and study surface plasma conditions and the moon's photoelectron sheet. Salim says the rover will also study lunar dust, or regolith. In layman's terms, basically we're looking at the lunar regolith, which is the, uh, uh, the surface of the moon, so the moon dust or the moon rocks and we have uh, uh, instruments that are imaging that we have microscopes that are looking at the composition of the regolith we also have uh, strips of different materials on the wheels uh, that we will see how the lunar regolith sticks to those materials to see you know what best materials can be used for uh, future astronaut suits or future missions etc so that the lunar dust doesn't stick to you so these are the main uh, elements that we're working on. There's also a, a payload which is looking at the uh, charged particles on the surface of the moon and that type of data we do not have. So looking at the electromagnetic charge of the moon's surface itself. Once it makes a touchdown, the Rashid rover is expected to send thousands of images to the mission control in Dubai. But the launch is not the only challenge. Landing on the moon is no easy task with one third of missions failing. Only the United States, the former Soviet Union, and China have achieved soft landings on the lunar surface. Most recently, landers from India and Israel both crash-landed on the lunar surface. Yeah, well, I mean, going to the moon is obviously always challenging. Uh, you know, with, with this mission, we have built the rover, we have not built the lander. So the lander is from iSpace, a Japanese uh, company. And uh, the biggest challenge, really, is landing on the surface of the moon. And, you know, uh, traveling in uh, relatively deep space all the way there and navigating correctly, choosing your launch site correctly. And hopefully, you know, it's a one-shot chance. You know, you don't get uh, a second chance. So once you start your descent, uh, pretty much you, you have to nail it. And if not, 
you'll end up crashing on the surface of the moon. So that's really the biggest challenge and the biggest fear. And, you know, there's a 60% chance of that failing. So that's the biggest challenge there. But once, you know, iSpace do get on, on the surface of the moon, inshallah, successfully, uh, there is another challenge, of course, of placing our rover on, uh, on the surface of the moon and then, of course, operating under those very harsh conditions. So the temperatures are, uh, you know, very high. Uh, it's not an easy area to operate remotely. Uh, and, of course, such a small rover uh, then has limited capabilities in terms of thermal protection and all of those elements. So surviving and thriving and conducting your science is going to be the second challenge for us. So uh, quite exciting. The UAE has started reaping rich rewards for all the hard work it has put into the space sector. The country sent the first Emirati astronaut, Haza al-Mansouri, into space on 25th September 2019. It was followed by a successful launch of the UAE's Hope Probe, the Arab world's first interplanetary mission, on 19 July 2020. Putting the UAE's Mars probe in orbit made UAE only the fifth country to do so after the US, the former Soviet Union, Europe and India. And then in July 2021, the UAE added another feather to its cap. A young Emirati engineer, Noura al Matrushi, was introduced as part of the UAE space program making her the first Arab female astronaut. 29-year-old Noura is a mechanical engineer who worked at Abu Dhabi's National Petroleum Construction Company before she was chosen on a glorious path of becoming the first Arab female astronaut. Here's her reaction when we spoke to her immediately after getting selected for the space program in 2021. I think that me being selected as the first uh, Arab female astronaut um, will lead the way to other girls who are interested in the space field and it will inspire them to want to join this field. I feel excited. <laughs> I feel prepared. I feel excited because um, I, I like to think of myself as a very adventurous person. Uh, I love the fact that I'll be uh, put in situations I'm not used to. So I'll be pushed out of my comfort zone. I feel like that's very exciting. If I can do it, then you can do it too. And if no one has done it yet, then you just go ahead and be the first. Um, always set high goals and ambitions for yourself because uh, while you are shooting for the moon, even if you don't reach the moon, you are going to fall among the stars. While on the face of it, these space milestones are purely scientific, at the core of it, the UAE is hoping that these steps will inspire future scientists and the next generation of the country. Here is Salim Al-Mari again. The UAE space program is relatively new compared to uh, the classic players. I mean, we're going on now 20 years, so we're not that new, but the major objective of the UAE space program is really to uh, build up capabilities, to uh, try and diversify the economy to be a player in this field, uh, to bring the Middle East into uh, space exploration. So these are the some of the major objectives behind it. We want to inspire youth of the region, youth of the UAE. We want to create high-tech jobs, smart jobs. We want people who are now studying at school to think that, you know, if I go and study uh, mechanical engineering, electric, whatever it may be, or if I want to be a scientist, that ability is there because there's 
uh, a very uh, ambitious space program that will bring me in and take me in and train me. In, you know, and, and if I want to be an astronaut, I can be an astronaut. If I want to train astronauts, I can do that. If I want to work on science of human spaceflight, I can do that. So, you know, that's part of the main objectives. And what we've been doing previously is, of course, launching quite ambitious missions, but really focusing on how we can uh, either learn through those missions or make sure that we develop. So going forward, you know, today we have Rashid Rover. Uh, it's a mission totally developed at the Mohammed Rashid Space Center. We now have uh, also in a couple of months the launch of Sultan and Niadi. Uh, who is uh, will be the second astronaut, but he's going for a six-month duration mission, which uh, is the first time for people outside of the ISS or countries outside of the ISS partnership. So we'll be probably the 10th country to do that. And to do that, you need to have a very robust team, a, a strong science team, a strong operations team, because six months is a very long duration to be monitoring and tracking a human in space. And uh, at the end of the year, we're going to launch uh, MBZSAT, which is really a culmination of all of the work that we've been doing in the last 20 years, which is today we are designing and developing these satellites, but now we are looking at local industry. So the likes of Strata and uh, companies from Tawazan who are working in many different fields in the UAE, but we're focusing on them developing the components and the structures, the electronics and the cabling for the satellites itself. And this brings us back to the launch of Rashid Rover. It's not the first Emirati launch to take place outside the UAE. The reason is because the UAE does not yet have its own rocket industry. The Hope probe was carried by a rocket from Japan's Mitsubishi Heavy Industries. And the Rashid rover is carried by Hakuto R Mission 1 lander, developed, as Salim earlier said, by a private Japanese company, iSpace. We asked Salim if the UAE is looking to develop launch capabilities right here on the Emirati shores. At MBRC, that is not in our uh, strategy going forward. So I'd say in the next 10, 15, 20 years, we're not looking at that. Uh, obviously, launching rockets is uh, a very costly endeavor as well as uh, a strong commitment. And it's not something that we are currently investing or looking at. So our focus really is on uh, developing the missions, the science missions. Today, when you look at uh, the market for launch, there are so many commercial providers that are coming up with very small rockets, medium and large rockets. Today, we're going to SpaceX and, you know, they launch one or two a month, three a month. And, you know, the launch environment or the launch market is very different than it was previously. So the question would arise is why would you want to make those very large investments when you have commercial providers there uh, that are able to do that for you? Also, be, uh, having a launch capability entails that you have a very large launch base and maintaining that. And that is not something that we are looking at currently at uh, MBRC. The UAE space mission, a sort of a rarity in the Arab world, has created a huge buzz, not just in the region, but across the world. In the last two decades or so, the news from the Middle East has often bordered on political tensions and conflicts. But the successes of the UAE space program have forced the world to take note. As the UAE looks beyond Mars and the Moon, where are we headed next as the country embarks on the new golden age of science and exploration for the Arab and the Muslim world? Salim al-Mari grew up in the United Arab Emirates and went on to head the space center that's charting new frontiers in space exploration. He says such milestones are important to uplift a nation and break stereotypes. I think uh, at the end of the day, the UAE and the region itself, you look at the 
the World Cup in Qatar, you look at Expo, all of these things break stereotypes, as you said. But what I see personally is that, uh, you know, we, we want to be part of the global space community. We, we, uh, we as Arabs, as people from this region as well, uh, do have that uh, explorer gene, let's say. And, you know, for me personally, uh, when we are launching uh, missions to the moon, or we are launching astronauts, that's all exploration. And, you know, that's, you know, there's an unknown there that maybe we'll find out something we didn't know. Maybe we'll learn something new. And, you know, that what we learn, if you look at the Mars mission, the data is all new. It's data that humanity didn't uh, understand that about Mars or the Martian atmosphere before this mission was launched. So we are contributing to, uh, let's say, the global scientific understanding of Mars. Uh, the same thing with the moon and the same thing with human spaceflight. So that exploration element, I think, is uh, is very important for uh, the development of the nation, the development of the psyche of people that, you know, we are part of this, we are doing uh, this type of work. And, you know, that's part of what drives me as well, you know, the, that unknown and potentially what we could discover through our work. I grew up in the UAE, studied in government schools, and I went to uh, government universities in the UAE. And uh, I think at the end of the day, for me, as an Emirati who grew up in this system, uh, you know, if we put in the work, if we put in the time, uh, whether as Emiratis or as anybody living in the country, where we can do it, I think. And you know, it doesn't matter where you're educated or what your level of language is, etc. If you have the drive, the passion, uh, you can do it. And I think it's all about hard work. So for me, you know, uh, I think all of us here on a journey. If you look at the UAE in the past 50 years, we're all in a journey of. Uh, developing the country you know every person is contributing in some way and you know 10 15 years 20 years later when i retire and i'm talking to my kids i think an important element for me is uh, what did you do to contribute to the development of the uae whether it's small or big and every day that we are working i think we are achieving small steps that contribute to the development of the country and as you say either bring pride or bring development bring capabilities uh, that's really uh, the way i look at it Thanks this week to Sarwat Nasser and Salim Humad Al-Murray. This is Beyond Headlines. If you want more episodes like this, hit subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. For all the latest on the UAE space program, visit thenationalnews.com. We were produced this week by Dua Farid, Arthur Edison, and Thomas Smith. I've been your host, Sohail Akram. Thanks for listening.